This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Welcome to my fully operational Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining me this time out as I continue my journey towards the Ahsoka series. I am discussing Star Wars Episode 3, titled by George Lucas, Revenge of the Sith. And this is going to be a casual chat about the movie. I'm not going to go in too deep just to kind of talk about the highlights, some things that stood out to me. And I'm going to jump right into it. So here we go. I like this movie a lot. I don't know if it's the best of the prequels or it's the most enjoyable of the prequels. I I still think there are problems with it. I think there are problems with all the prequels um, that, you know, range in severity. I'm not a prequel hater, though. I do like them as a whole. I love the story they tell. I just wonder why the story was told the way it was. And in my previous two episodes, talking about Phantom Menace and (laughs) Chamber of Secrets and Attack of the Clones, I gave reasons why I think Lucas did what he did, and I can appreciate it. Uh, But I think it really would have been interesting to see this story played out over three movies. If we get to see Anakin, the hero of the Republic, Anakin, the hero of the Clone Wars, Anakin, the good Jedi, the exceptional Jedi Knight, and then we get to see him in his most desperate hour being uh, tested and being tempted by the dark side, uh, you know, in the rescue of uh, the Chancellor. That would be episode two, I guess. Um, Like, almost, you could make episode one be Anakin's Trials and Ascension to Knighthood, and then maybe, like, a little bonus, you know, 30-minute adventure after he's a knight. And then episode two could have been he, uh, they have to rescue Palpatine and work through this whole thing, and then uh, in it you get flashes of him being tempted to use the dark side and, uh, you know, fight Dooku and all that stuff. And then maybe in the third one, that's all fall and it's all bad. But that's not what Lucas decided to do. That's not what he decided to give us. Instead... We start off this movie with a weird thing in the opening crawl that says, uh, you know, war, and there uh, are heroes on both sides, and uh, stuff like that, which is weird, because it makes it feel like nuance, and it almost gives justification to the line later on that, from my perspective, the Jedi are evil, and it's odd that you would have that, but then again, if one of Lucas's points or... Uh, ideas that he wanted to explore is that no villain thinks that they're evil or thinks that they're a villain. They think that they're a hero. They think that they are doing something good. I guess that makes sense. How does Anakin justify the slaughter of all the Jedi younglings? Maybe because uh, the Jedi are evil and they're raising these children to be evil. Therefore, there's no issue in slaughtering them so that they don't become the same kind of evil that you know, threatens his wife Padme, and that, you know, prolongs war. I, like, I don't know. I don't know what the whole package of lies that... I don't know what it was that Palp, uh, that Sidious told him. Is it that the Jedi fomented the war and planned it, or does Anakin know? Does Darth Vader know? Does he realize that his master is the one who started the war, who orchestrated this war that took so much from him and has, you know, brought so much stress and tension to his life, separating him from his wife, Padme, and endangering him. 
I don't know. It's unclear. It's not addressed. You would have to assume no, and maybe as time goes on, he becomes aware that that is the truth, and that seeds his anger and resentment towards Sidious. But that's a discussion for another movie. So, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting movie. I absolutely love the heights of adventure that we get in the first bit, and the up into the up until Palpatine is rescued. <clears throat> And I love the fact that it just it drops you into a space battle. And it's the most action-packed, most scenery-jammed, I don't know, visual spectacle. And that's why I thought, looking at it this time, I thought, this is a spectacular visual. It's just, it's chock-full of stuff. And it reminded me, oddly enough, of, like, uh, sometimes in Studio Ghibli animation... Um, I can't. I feel like I've seen another animation, but I can't name anything off the top of my head. But like, there's such attention to detail, and you're in like a cottage, and there's just like hundreds, if not, well, there's like hundreds, maybe up to like a thousand, like tiny little hand-drawn items or hand-drawn details that fill the place, and it's really special. <laughs> it feels really. I don't know, like, breathtaking and captivating that, like, all this attention to detail was put in by somebody. By somebody or by a team of somebody's who drew each and every one of these little things. And it's astonishing. And I love the idea that you had a whole team of people working on all these, you know, CGI assets. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that scene <laughs> that we drop into is all computer-generated. There's no practical effects there, just because it, it wouldn't make sense. Unless they're, you know, compositing ship models or something, in which is, a uh, you know, art in and of itself, and, uh, I think a really good way to use, um, the computer-generated effects, uh, or imagery software. So, anyway, um, but yeah, it just, it was a dazzling fight. You know, Coruscant looks amazing from up above, but then you've got all these, you know, giant ships fighting next to each other. You've got all the, I think they're called Arc 150s or Arc 170s, whatever, the, the pre, uh, the precursor to the X-Wing with, like, the, you know, hawk-like nose on it and the, the wings that split with the S-foils. And then the, the Jedi Starfighters, which I love the Jedi ships, uh, from last movie that dock into those, um, those hyperspace rings. And we get to see a little bit more of that in this movie, but we get to see, you know, Anakin and, and, uh, Obi-Wan flying in these Jedi Starfighters that they have S-foil things that fold out too, but the shape of them and everything, it looks like these are pre-TIE Fighters. And they probably even have twin ion engines on them, don't they? Huh. I hadn't thought about that, but I think they exactly do have twin ion engines. If you didn't know, that's what TIE of TIE Fighter means. Twin ion engine fighters. Uh, why are they named after their propulsion system? I don't know, but they are. Anyway, it's not because they look like bow ties. Um, so, anyway, we get just this super exciting battle. Uh, there's the thing about, you know, Oddball and his men, the clone troopers, are having trouble fighting, and Anakin tells Obi-Wan that he wants to break away and help them, and, and Obi-Wan says, no, they're doing their job so that we can do ours. And you can tell that Anakin is pained at the prospect of having to leave these men, these clones, these, you know, meatbags. Like, all you know about them is that they were cloned from Jango Fett, who tried to kill Padme. You would think that Anakin would be mad at them, but no. Something has happened in the last three years of this war that has led him to love these guys and care about these guys to the point where he would take himself off of the mission for a moment of saving Palpatine to rescue 
some of these clone troopers, who you would think would be nothing but flesh droids to him, that would be meaningless to him. But they're not. He cares. He loves these guys. He wants to protect them. And at Obi-Wan's insistence, he lets them go. But then Obi-Wan becomes in danger. And Anakin's focus shifts to doing everything he can to save Obi-Wan. And he <laughs> he even makes a mistake. He accidentally shoots one of those uh, TIE fighter uh, wing panels off of Obi-Wan's ship, which is pretty hilarious. And uh, R2 gets in danger at some point there. And Anakin shifts his focus away from saving Obi-Wan and saving Palpatine to making sure that R2 is okay. Uh, it just... They're doing a really good job of showing, like, the camaraderie and the friendship and the high adventure, uh, but also Anakin's attachment. Anakin is so attached to all these people, to all these different... Well, to all these different people in his life, and he's not willing to let them go, and it's setting us up for the fact that he doesn't want to let Padme go. And ultimately, in the end... That's his downfall, his refusal to let go. When he goes to Yoda for advice, Yoda tells him, learn, like, to not fear losing people and learn to celebrate for those people who become one with the Force. That sounds great in theory, but when it's your wife, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister who's going to die, how good is that? Now, I'm uh, a believer, I'm a person of faith. I believe that when we die, we go somewhere and we're going somewhere good unless we're, you know, the most wicked among us. And I believe that God would be... Uh, I believe that it really is sort of a better place. But I also want to live as long as possible. Like, for myself, I would want to fight to live as long as possible. And, yes, I would want to fight to save the lives of people I love close to me. However, I, because of what I believe, I believe that this is, like, all a test right now that we're going through. And that when we get to the other side that it's going to be well when we get to the other side we'll be reunited with these people who we lost <clears throat> and it'll kind of it kind of won't matter that we were without them for one month one year a hundred years because in the you know in the face of eternity all of that will seem like the blink of an eye and it will be basically meaningless and if you're telling me that uh, with faced with the choice of either I don't know it seems like a, a a rejection of his faith a rejection of his understanding of uh, the force the ways of the force and all that stuff if Anakin can't see past Yoda's like dumb words and Yoda's like uh, like clumsy consolation to him and realize yeah you know in the long and short of it or you know when it's all said and done uh, even if Padme were to die, you know, I will lose my love, I'll lose my child, which is super sad, um, but I will live on and I will endure and I will be with them again one day in the future and, you know, we'll be together for all eternity. And <laughs> there's something called a short time preference and a long time preference. A short time pre preference, I believe I'm saying this correctly, and I think people accidentally say it the wrong way all the time, so I'm tripped up by that. Short time preference is you want instant gratification. You want everything now. You only care about what happens in the immediate future, and you don't think about what happens in the far-off future. So, what is it easy to do? What's it pleasurable to do now? It's easy and pleasurable to sit on the couch and watch movies and eat Twinkies and drink Coke. Or whatever kind of pop you're interested in. However, what will that do to you in the long term? 
you'll become weak, you'll become fat, you'll become lazy, you'll become incapable of doing anything useful for yourself or for others, and ultimately, it will kill you. You, If you do that and nothing but that, you are choosing a life that will kill you. And if you even indulge in that a little bit, you're opening yourself up to that, I think. Um, not that I never relax and eat stuff on the couch while watching something, but it's not the point of my life. And uh, it shouldn't be, and I'm you know, teaching that to my children that it shouldn't be for them either. However, if you choose a life of like action and of taking care of yourself and of you know health and well-being and, and vigor and vitality, that's you'll have long-term benefits. You'll have short-term cost, short-term suffering, short-term you know pain and inconvenience. But ultimately. You will be a stronger, healthier, more resilient person when everybody else in the office or school or whatever is getting sick, but you're eating the proper human diet and you're exercising and taking care of yourself, getting enough sleep, you're going to be fine. And you basically have to be able to have the long view and have a high time preference where you choose to think about things in terms of how how the benefits will actually outweigh the costs versus how, you know, in the long run, which is harder to see than how the benefit of watching this and eating that uh, while laying here, uh, how that outweighs, uh, you know, that's a much easier thing to say. Yeah, the benefit of doing that all now is great for me right now. The cost of it, eh, it's going to be pretty high later on, but that's later on, so that's a problem for future me. You don't think that way. Well... A wise person doesn't think that way, and it is foolish and deleterious to one's overall well-being to think that way. I think Anakin is actually in that frame of mind of having a low uh, time preference, and I think it's you know destructive and dangerous, and I think that's pretty clear to see from everything going on here. Um, again, I, I don't like the way that Yoda handles the situation, and I can understand him being like a harsh teacher, being a severe teacher, and you're trying to push the student, and maybe Anakin's to the point where he should be mature enough, and like the Jedi, you know, ethical teachings or whatever, philosophical teachings should lead him to a place where he knows this intellectually, even if he can't accept it, uh, I don't know what the, like emotionally, um, but I know, I definitely feel like there's something flawed in the Jedi teachings, um, and the Jedi system of instruction, but then again, Maybe Anakin's just the one with the flaw, and we don't see that because the story is told from his perspective. And maybe there are hundreds of other Jedi who have faced things similar to Anakin and not fallen to the dark side in order to, you know, prevent a tragedy from happening. And we, we just don't know. So I don't know. I find it very curious, and I, I don't have an issue thinking that the Je- Jedi are fundamentally flawed, and maybe. The, you know, arrogance uh, and the self-assuredness that Yoda talked about some of the older, you know, wiser Jedi who should know better having, but they don't have. He talked about that with Mace and Obi-Wan in the hallway in uh, Episode 2. Maybe that Jedi hubris has led them to a point where they're instructing their students poorly because they think, yeah, we got this, we're Jedi, it's no big deal. Uh, you just do this, and there's like the lack of personal, you know, mentorship and time and attention giving to students who need this sort of thing. Look, I'm going to meditate next to you 
while I ask you to meditate and learn to let go this moment of everything you fear to lose, I don't think that works. The overall advice, I think, is good, but the you know specific advice... Like, you have to tailor... Anyway, if a student fails in something, there's a saying that... It's not that the student has failed, it's that the teacher has failed the student. Obi-Wan, later on in the movie, tells Anakin, I have failed you. I think that's right. I don't think Yoda thinks that he failed Anakin. I don't know, though. He didn't say. But I feel like Yoda thinks, nothing wrong to die. Um, Anakin at fault he is. And, you know, yeah, Anakin is responsible, ultimately for what he chose to do. But, because our actions are what shape us. Our actions are what make us who we are. Even more so than our background and our upbringing. And, you know, maybe that's why we had as much focus as we did on Anakin as a kid. And, uh, you know, Anakin's, you know, virgining romance with Padme. Um, <clears throat> in the context of him, you know, not having seen her for ten years and all this stuff. Maybe all of that is to serve the point or put forward the idea, you know, push the theme um, that it's our choices that make us who we are. And we can choose to be good, we can choose to be bad, we can choose to be selfish, we can choose to be selfless, and it's up to us to have the moral strength and like grit and determination to do that. And if you're only... There's a, a saying, uh, it goes something like, if you're only good when things are good, then you're actually not a good person. If you're good when things are bad or when things are hard... That proves that you're actually a good person. So if Anakin can only choose to do the right thing, do the morally right thing, when it costs him nothing, then how good and sincere is his goodness? And I don't know, in some ways, the movie is less about... Well, anyway, I don't know, it's weird. Like, Anakin has to fall to the dark side. He has to have this tragic fall, which, by the way, this could be entitled Star Wars Episode Three: The Fall of Anakin Skywalker, or The Fall of the Jedi. Ooh, The Fall of the Jedi would be a cool name. If we had, uh, Episode 2 was Revenge of the Sith, or The Sith Conspiracy, I think is what I called it. Uh, it's Return of the Sith is Phantom Menace, uh, in my alternate titling scheme. Um, Attack of the Clones is the Sith Conspiracy, and then this could be the Fall of the Jedi. Whoa, those would be cool names. Anyway, um, but, like, this is the tragic fall, or this is the tragedy of Anakin, also it could be called the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. Um, it's really sad and awful, and it's, like, a warning that you shouldn't emulate him in ways that would lead you to make similar decisions or have similar moral feelings because of what you feared to lose, so... Yeah, I'm not saying Yoda's 100% wrong. I'm saying overall he's right. But again, you got to tailor that message to your audience. If you can't say something to somebody in a way that they will receive it, then I think you may as well not say anything at all. You're better off not saying what you have to say because, I don't know, I think you're just going to turn them against you more. And, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting. I have so much to say about this movie, but I plan on talking about these movies again and again in different ways in these smaller, more topical ways as I think about them in different contexts. So I'm actually going to stop right now and uh, ask that you stick around for the rest of these. I'm going to do the original trilogy next, and then I'll be talking about Ahsoka uh, after that until that show's over, unless it stinks, in which which case I'll drop it right away. So until next time, folks, take care. This is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. 
There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.